Well, if we could this evening, with the Lord's help and the Lord's enabling, if we could turn back to that portion of Scripture that we read in the Gospel according to Luke and chapter 14. The Gospel according to Luke, chapter 14, page 1053 in the Pew Bible. Luke 14, and we'll read again at verse 25. Now great clouds accompanied Jesus, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, and wife and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then in verse 33, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. I'm sure we've all heard of the phrase, the truth hurts. The truth hurts. And the truth is, the truth does hurt because, well, we don't like being told the truth about ourselves. We don't like it when we're told that we're getting old. We don't like it when we're told that we're putting on weight. We don't like it when we're told that what we're wearing isn't that nice. And one of which I'm sure we can all certainly relate to is that we don't, or I can relate to anyway, is that we don't like being told when we're wrong. We don't like being told the truth about ourselves because the truth hurts. But sometimes the truth is necessary. Sometimes we need to be brutally honest. Sometimes we need to just cut to the chase and stop beating about the bush and just say it as it is. Because even though the truth will hurt, the truth is necessary. The truth is necessary. And you know, that's what we see in this passage in Luke chapter 14. Jesus tells the truth about what it means to be one of his disciples. And this is the thing about discipleship. It's not about following a church or a creed or a confession. It's about following Jesus. It's about being one of his disciples. And the word disciple, it means learner. Where Jesus and his word, they are your teacher. Jesus and his word is the teacher. And you are his student. You're a learner who needs to be told the truth about what it means to follow him and be his disciple. And Jesus here, he doesn't hide the truth. He doesn't beat about the bush. He just says it as it is. And sometimes the truth hurts. And it hurts because Jesus says that in order to be one of his disciples, it will cost you everything. In order to be one of his disciples, it will cost you everything. Jesus says here that in order to be his disciple, it requires 100% commitment. Because the reality is Christianity is not a pick and mix religion where you can just pick and choose which bits of the Bible you like and which bits you don't like. And well, you can leave the bits you don't like and don't want to adhere to these things. Christianity is not an offshore Christianity. It's not two weeks on and then two weeks off. Christianity, it doesn't come with holiday packages and days off. No, what Jesus teaches us here is that he wants dedicated disciples. He wants committed Christians. He wants motivated members. Jesus wants disciples who have a love for the Lord and a love for the lost. 
And you know, my friend, Jesus is saying to us tonight that if you want to be one of my disciples, it will cost you everything. It will cost you everything. And you know, sometimes even as Christians, we don't like, we don't like being reminded of that fact. But the truth hurts. The truth hurts. And so as we consider this passage this evening, I want to consider Jesus' hard-hitting truths under three headings. Jesus' hard-hitting truths under three headings. Calling the crowds, considering the cross, and counting the cost. Calling the crowds, considering the cross, and counting the cost. So the first thing that we see is Jesus calling the crowds. He calls the crowds in verse 25. We're told there, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Something that all four of the gospel writers pick up on is the crowds that followed Jesus. Because as Jesus moved around the villages and towns of Galilee, there were crowds that followed him. It wasn't just a crowd that followed Jesus. We're told that it was crowds, plural, crowds that followed Jesus. And they followed Jesus everywhere he went. And they witnessed Jesus perform all these miracles. They heard Jesus preach and they saw him move with compassion to different sinners, lost sinners. There were crowds who followed Jesus. And the reason they followed Jesus was because Jesus, at that time, he was the new phenomenon. Following Jesus, you could say, was the new fad. It was the new fashion of the day. Everyone was doing it. Everyone was following this miracle worker. Everyone was gathering to hear this preacher who spoke with authority. Everyone was following Jesus in the crowds. And you know, well, human nature being what it is, a crowd was attracting crowds. And for many people, it was easy to just go along in the crowd. It was easy to follow Jesus in the crowds. It was easy to blend into the crowds. It was even easy to get lost in the crowds. And so for the gospel writers, the crowds who followed Jesus was actually a negative thing. Because Jesus isn't into crowds. Jesus isn't into the numbers game of counting church attendance. As we said before, there are crowds in hell. But Jesus isn't into crowds. Jesus, as he says here, he wants disciples. Jesus wants individuals to commit their life to him. Jesus wants committed Christians. And as I've said to you before, Jesus would far rather one committed Christian than 10,000 people just going along in the crowds. Because being part of the crowds doesn't mean anything. It doesn't count for anything. What counts is discipleship. What counts is wholehearted commitment to Jesus Christ. And what Luke says here in verse 25 is that now great crowds accompanied Jesus. Great crowds. Luke says that there were great crowds, massive crowds, swelling crowds who went along with Jesus. They were walking with Jesus. They were traveling with Jesus. They were close to Jesus. They were even listening to Jesus. Well, who was in this crowd? 
Who was in the crowd? Well, there were those who would have been committed in the crowd. Because we know that 11 out of the 12 disciples, they were committed to following Jesus. They had left their nets. They had left their tax booths. They had left their farms to follow Jesus. They had left everything to follow Jesus. They were committed. There were those in the crowd who were committed. Just like there are some in this crowd this evening. They are committed. Committed Christians. But in this crowd there were also those who were curious. There were the committed and there was the curious. And wherever Jesus went and whatever Jesus said. And whenever Jesus performed a miracle or preached a sermon. There were those in the crowds there who were curious. They were interested in Jesus. They liked to hear what Jesus had to say. But that's all it was for them. When they were asked if they knew who Jesus was. They didn't really know. They were curious, but they didn't really know too much about him. Some said, as we read in Mark 8, some said he was John the Baptist. Others said he was Elijah. Some said he was just another prophet, one of the prophets. Whoever Jesus was, they were curious about him. But they were unwilling to commit their life to him. And again, the same can be said of this crowd here this evening. There are some of you in the crowd who are, well, safe to say, curious about Jesus. But is that all it is? Curiosity. You enjoy coming to church. You enjoy reading the Bible. You enjoy hearing the gospel. You enjoy sitting under the gospel. But is that all that it is? You're curious about Jesus. But you're still unwilling to confess him. As your Lord and King. You're still unwilling to commit your life to him. But there's also others in this crowd. And there are others in the crowd. There's some who are committed. Some who are confused. But there's, also, there's some who are curious, but also some who are confused. Because in this crowds, definitely, there would have been the scribes and the Pharisees. They would have been there in the crowd. They were, and the scribes and the Pharisees, they were those who knew their Bible. They could memorize their Bible. They could meditate upon their Bible. They knew the theology of the Bible. They had learned their Bible. They could talk about the Bible. But they were uncommitted to wholeheartedly following Jesus because they were confused about the way of salvation. The scribes and the Pharisees, they were religious, but they were uncommitted. They were confused, thinking that by their knowledge of the Bible and even their memory work of the Bible and even their attendance at church, they thought that their religion was enough to save them. They were so confused. And so when Jesus was calling the crowds to listen to what he had to say, there were those who were committed, there were those who were curious, there were those who were confused, but there were also some who were counterfeit. There were those in the crowds who were counterfeit. Judas was there that day. And I'm sure that there were many in the crowds, maybe even in this crowd, who think like Judas. Where they think that by just being in the crowd is enough. And by just hearing Jesus and seeing Jesus and listening to Jesus, they think that that's enough. And by just being in the crowds, it's enough to put them and to put you in a right standing with God. But sadly, my friend, Jesus is saying to you tonight, you're wrong. Being in the crowds is not enough. Because those in the crowds who were curious, confused, and even counterfeit, they needed to be committed. They needed to be committed. And you know, as Jesus turns to the crowds and addresses this great multitude of people,
Jesus says to them at the beginning of verse 26, if anyone comes to me. What an opening statement to make to this crowd. If anyone comes to me. And Jesus, he stands before this great crowd of people who are committed, some who are confused, others who are curious, some who are counterfeit. And despite their misunderstandings of salvation, Jesus issues to them the free offer of the gospel. If anyone comes to me. If anyone comes to me. And you know, Jesus, he issues the free offer of the gospel. He issues it to whosoever. The call to become a disciple of Jesus is to whosoever. Whether you're committed, curious, confused, or counterfeit, Jesus urges you to come. And notice Jesus says, if anyone comes to me. Jesus doesn't say if anyone comes to a church. He doesn't say if anyone comes to a denomination. He doesn't say if anyone comes to hear a particular preacher. He doesn't say if anyone comes to say a prayer or stand at the front. No, Jesus says, if anyone comes to me. If anyone comes to me. And you know, my unconverted friend, this is the thing. You must come all the way to Jesus. And you must seek him individually, personally, and wholeheartedly. If anyone comes to me. But you know, in calling the crowds, Jesus emphasized the importance of considering the cross. That's what we see secondly. So he's calling the crowds, but then secondly, he's considering the cross. Considering the cross. We'll read again verse 25. Now great, great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You know these words from the lips of Jesus, they're shocking. Because to say that we must hate all our family ties in order to be his disciple, it's not only a shocking statement to make, it also seems to go against the grain of everything that Jesus taught. Because, well, was it not Jesus who said in the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you? Was it not Jesus who emphasized to the rich young man that in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and your neighbor as yourself. Was it not Jesus who, who said to his disciples and taught them, this is the commandment, the new commandment I'm going to give you. Love one another just as I have loved you. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Is that not what Jesus said? Well, it is what Jesus said. So, so what is Jesus saying here when he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. But you know what we need to be clear on here is that Jesus isn't contradicting himself. Jesus is trying to get our attention. And he does so very, very cleverly. Because Jesus, he uses a very negative word 
in order to emphasize a positive. Jesus uses the word hate in order to emphasize the need for love. Because what Jesus is saying here is that in order to be one of his disciples, we must love Jesus more, more deeply. We must love Jesus more earnestly than all of our family ties. We must love Jesus more than our nearest and dearest and even more than we love ourselves. In other words, Jesus is saying, I must be first and foremost in your life. I must be number one. I must take precedence. I must have priority and primary focus in your life. Everything else must fall into line behind me. I must be your focus. Whether it's your your mother and father, your wife or your husband, your children or your relatives, your work, your money, your hobbies or even yourself. It all must take second place behind me. That's what Jesus is saying to us. Everything must fall in line behind Jesus. Because if it doesn't, says Jesus, you cannot, you cannot be my disciple. You know, it's hard hitting. But the truth hurts. My friend, the cost of discipleship is that we must be willing to offend our family and even our friends before we offend King Jesus. And needless to say, that can be a painful experience. Which is why Jesus goes on to say in verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You know, what Jesus says here is that the biggest obstacle to becoming one of his disciples, the biggest obstacle is not your mother or your father. The biggest obstacle is not your wife or your husband. The biggest obstacle is not even your children or your relatives. Now, Jesus actually says in verse 27 that the biggest obstacle to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ is self. The biggest obstacle is self. And what Jesus says here is that in order to be his disciple, self must die. Self must die. But you know, my friend, the only way to die to self is to do as Jesus says here, to bear your own cross and come after him. The only way to die to self is to take up your cross and follow Jesus. And you know, to a first century hearer, hearing these words, when they heard the word cross, it was, they didn't think piece of jewelry. They didn't think a figure of speech. They thought the cross as a symbol of submission. As soon as they heard the word cross, they thought submission. The cross was the symbol of Rome's power and authority over the nation of Israel. It was the most visible act of Rome's terror upon the people of Israel. Because crucifixion, as they all knew it, was the most excruciating form of capital punishment. And when someone took up their cross, they were carrying it all the way to their death. And by carrying the cross, they were signifying submission. They were submitting to the power and authority of Rome. And so what Jesus is saying is that in order to be his disciple... You must take up your cross. You must signify submission. You must signify submission and submit under the authority of King Jesus. 
You must die to self. You must die to the applause of others in the approval of the world. You must humble yourself. You must abdicate the throne. You must bow the knee and bow the heart and submit to the authority of King Jesus. And you know, my unconverted friend, let's be honest. Let's be honest for a moment with where you're at with Jesus. Because, well, I often wonder, is it safe to say that you're not a Christian tonight because you're stubborn? Is it safe to say that you're not a Christian tonight because you're stubborn? There's too much of self in your heart. There's too much of self there. And you're still stubbornly refusing to submit to the authority of King Jesus. And the reality is you know all about the authority of King Jesus. You know that you need to submit to him. You know that you need to submit your life and your heart and your will to this king. But you're stubbornly refusing. You're stubborn when it comes to submission. And taking up your cross and following Jesus. You're too stubborn to die to sin. And die to self. But you know. Do you not think that for many of you here this evening. At the stage that you're at in life. After all these years of stubbornly refusing. To submit to the authority of Jesus. Do you not think that. It's about time you bended your knee. And bowed your heart. And submitted your will. To King Jesus. Do you not think it's about time? Do you not think that it's about time. That you took up your cross. And followed Jesus. If you want my opinion. It's well overdue. It's well about time. That you took up your cross. And followed Jesus. Because the reality is. If you will not carry the cross. You will not wear the crown. If you will not carry the cross, you will not wear the crown. You know, Jesus, he, he, he doesn't want you to be half-hearted in this. He wants wholehearted commitment as you make your decision. That's why he goes on to teach about the importance of counting the cost. That's the last thing we see in this passage. We're looking at Jesus' hard-hitting truths about discipleship. Calling the crowds, considering the cross, and counting the cost. Counting the cost. Look at verse 28. Jesus says to the crowds, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish. All who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while, he is an, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, when Jesus presents the hard-hitting truths about becoming his disciple, when he presents this to the crowds, we have to understand that he's not trying to put us off. Jesus is not trying to put us off. He doesn't want to discourage anyone from taking up their cross and following him. 
But Jesus does want everyone to know what's required of them to be one of his disciples. Because with Jesus, there's no small print. With Jesus, there's no hidden agendas. Jesus just puts the truth out there. And even though the truth will hurt, it's necessary. Because sometimes, as we were saying earlier, we need to just cut to the chase and stop beating about the bush and just say it like it is. And that's what Jesus does. Because, you know, Jesus, he doesn't want half-hearted disciples. He wants whole-hearted disciples. Jesus doesn't want a lazy and laid-back learners. Jesus wants loving and lively learners. Jesus doesn't want poor and passive witnesses. Jesus wants passionate and practical witnesses. Jesus doesn't want a careless and casual Christianity. Jesus wants a Christ-centered and committed Christianity. And this is the thing. It costs to be a committed Christian. It costs to be a dedicated disciple. It costs to be a motivated member. And Jesus says to us, it'll cost you everything. It'll cost you everything. But if you want to be a lazy learner and just do the Sunday thing when you can be bothered. And if you want a casual Christianity that occasionally or even never attends a prayer meeting. And if you want to be a distant disciple that lives like the world and pleases self. Then Jesus is plainly saying to you here, don't bother. Don't bother. If you're not going to count the cost of discipleship, then don't bother. If your Christianity is not going to affect your entire life, then don't bother. If your commitment is not going to shape the way you live, the way you think, the way you speak, where you go, what you do. If your commitment to this king is not going to make you think about your character, your conduct and your conversation. Then Jesus says to us this hard hitting saying, don't bother becoming one of my disciples. And we might think, that's harsh. But my friend, the truth hurts. And that's, and you know, what's clear here is that Jesus would far rather a committed Christian than someone who's just going along in the crowd. Jesus would far rather a dedicated disciple than someone who's standing away from him. And so Jesus, that's why he goes on to give this illustration. He says, failure to count the cost would be foolish. Who would build a tower, he says, without first counting the cost? Who would build a house without first counting the cost? And there are so many things to factor in when building a house or building a tower. The main one being, can I afford it? And if I start this building project, will I be able to finish it? Will I be able to finish what I've started? And what Jesus is saying is that when it comes to being his disciples, we need to sit down and think about what we're doing. Because we can't just rush into it in the emotion of it or in the moment. We can't just rush into it and then drop out. But at the same time, we can't put it off. So that we'll be too late. And you know my friend. Jesus he isn't trying to put us off. Becoming one of his disciples. He wants us always to know. What we're getting ourselves into. Because being a disciple of Jesus. It's a serious business. And it requires commitment. Now I know that for many of you. In here. All of you who are unconverted. 
I know that you're aware that becoming a Christian is a serious business. I know that you know that it requires commitment. You're well aware of that. That's not a hidden fact to you. You know that it's a big step. You know in many ways it's an important decision. But maybe for you, you might be thinking, what if I start and I can't finish? I don't want to be like this man who was mocked because he started and couldn't finish. What if I become a Christian and, and, well, I make a commitment, but then I fall away? I don't want to let people down. I don't want to let the church down. I don't want to let Jesus down. There was one of our elders who once said, the first step after being saved is being kept. The first step after being saved is being kept. And you know, every Christian who confesses the name of Jesus, they know what it is to be kept. If you worry about falling away, just trust Jesus. That's not your worry. Your worry tonight, as someone who's out of Christ, is taking the first step. Because the first step after being saved is being kept. And you know, that's why Jesus is saying here to count the cost. Because if, you are, if you're serious about committing your life to Jesus Christ, you will count the cost. And having, counting, having counted the cost, you will take up your cross and you will follow him. But Jesus says that there are two areas in your life in which you must count the cost. Not just one, two areas. Jesus says it will cost you self to come to Jesus. But it will cost you your soul to stay away from him. It will cost you self to come to Jesus. But it will cost you your soul to stay away from him. And that's what Jesus meant in the second illustration. He says in verse 31. What king going to encounter another king in war. Will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able to, with 10,000 to meet him. Who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. And, you know, in this illustration, Jesus doesn't emphasize the importance of finishing. Jesus emphasizes the importance of surviving. Because when Jesus is not on the throne of our heart, when Jesus is not king over our life, the reality is we are. We are kings and queens of our own life and destiny. Or we think we are anyway. But like the king with 10,000 soldiers going out to fight a king with 20,000 soldiers. Jesus says you must count the cost. And you have to count the cost of warring with King Jesus. You have to count the cost of warring against King Jesus. Because as Jesus emphasizes again and again in the Gospels. He is the stronger king. You might be king over your heart, but he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And he has the power to cast you into hell. So you have to count the cost of warring against a stronger king. And like the weaker king in the illustration, the only sensible thing to do is concede and seek peace. The only sensible thing to do is concede to King Jesus and seek terms of peace with him. My friend, if Jesus is not your Lord and King, then the sensible thing to do tonight is abdicate the throne of your heart 
and bow your knee before King Jesus and confess that he alone is your Lord and King. Because if you don't, if you don't do it, if you don't count the cost of meeting this great King, you cannot, says Jesus, you cannot be my disciple. And you know, when you're considering the cost of becoming a disciple of Jesus, you must remember that it will cost you self to come to Jesus, but it will cost you your soul to stay away from him. It will cost you self to come to Jesus, but it will cost you your soul to stay away from him. And you know, what discipleship actually all boils down to is one question, what's more important to you, self or your soul? That's all it is. What's more important to you in life? Yourself or your soul? Me or Jesus? And is that not what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8 that we were reading earlier? When he called the crowds, he called all the disciples to him and said, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life, look after self. Whosoever will save his life will lose it when they meet the great king. But whosoever loses his life, whosoever submits to self and denies, and denies self and follows Jesus, the same will save it. And Jesus asks the question, soul or self, which is more important? What will it profit a man if he will gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And Jesus is asking us, what's more important to you? Yourself or your soul? Me or Jesus? It will cost you self to come to Jesus. But it will cost you your soul to stay away from him. And you know in this passage, Jesus is presenting to us the hard-hitting truths of discipleship. And calling the crowds, the crowds that were there. There were those who were committed, those who were confused, those who were curious, those who were counterfeit. And yet, Jesus is saying to the crowd here this evening, he's saying, whosoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. We need to consider the cross. That's what Jesus says. Because if we will not carry the cross, we will not wear the crown. And so we must count the cost. We must count the cost to self or the cost to our soul. What's it to be? Self? Or soul. Self or soul. It will cost you self to come to Jesus, but it will cost you your soul to stay away from Him. My friend, you know what I'm going to say. You come to this Jesus, you deny self, you take up your cross, you follow Him. Because you will not stand on the last day when you meet this king. You come to him and seek terms of peace with him before you're too late. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. O Lord, our gracious God, help us, we pray, as thy people, or to be dedicated disciples, to be committed Christians. We confess, Lord, that we faint and fail. We are not what we ought to be. But we thank thee and we praise thee that even in our weakness, thou art the one who makes us strong. 
that in our insufficiencies that thou art the one who makes us sufficient. And Lord, we bless and praise thee for thy keeping grace that the first step after being saved is being kept. And Lord, that each and every one of us, whether we have made that step many a time or never made it at all, that each and every one of us would make that step of faith and know the keeping of God as he keeps our going out and our coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Lord, bless us, we pray. Go before us, we ask. And take away our iniquity. Receive us graciously. For Jesus' sake. Amen. We shall bring our service to a conclusion by singing the concluding words of Psalm 112. Psalm 112, it's on page 392. So we mentioned this is the discipleship psalm. Psalm 112, we're singing from verse 6 down to the end of the psalm. Surely there is not anything that ever shall him move. The righteous man's memorial shall everlasting prove. When he shall evil tidings hear, he shall not be afraid. His heart is fixed, his confidence upon the Lord is stayed. So Psalm 112 from verse 6 to the end. We'll stand to sing if you're able to God's praise.
of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.